A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne and all the nations will be assembled before him, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. A stranger, and you welcomed me. Naked, and you clothed me. Ill, and you cared for me. In prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you ill or in prison and visit you? And the king will say to them in reply, Amen, I say to you, whatever you did for one of the least brothers of mine, You did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you accursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. A stranger, and you gave me no welcome. Naked, and you gave me no clothing. Ill and in prison, and you did not care for me. Then they will answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or ill, or in prison, and not minister to your needs? He will answer them, Amen, I say to you, what you did not do for one of these least ones, you did not do for me. And these will go off to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. The Gospel of the Lord. How does Jesus judge nations? What criteria does he use? When we evaluate nations, we tend to do so on the basis of wealth and power, gross domestic product, standard of living, strength of the economy, strength of the military. But this is not the criterion Jesus uses to judge the nations, as he sits upon his glorious throne. I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Matthew 25 should not be read as a parable about the sorting of individuals in the afterlife according to the principles of personal charity, but rather as a prophecy of how nations are measured in history according to the politics of caring for those on the margins, the least of Jesus' family. I've been reading Isabel Wilkerson's book, Cast, that's C-A-S-T-E, The Origins of Our Discontent. Wilkerson's thesis is that America's current obsession with race is somewhat misplaced, for there is a deeper and more intractable system that hides behind the facade of race, The caste system disguises itself 
by making us see race traits as real and immutable, and anti-racist work as simply the elimination of prejudiced thinking. Caste, she writes, is all about maintaining boundaries and keeping someone in their place. A caste system builds rivalry and distrust and lack of empathy towards one's fellows. The result is that the United States, for all its wealth and innovation, lags in major indicators of quality of life among the leading countries in the world. There are more public mass shootings in America than in any other country, and the United States has one of the highest rates of gun deaths in the developed world. Americans own nearly half of the guns in the world owned by civilians. The United States imprisons more people, 2.2 million, than any other nation. The incarceration rate in America is so high that if the U.S. prison population were a city, it would be the fifth largest in America. American women are more likely to die during pregnancy and childbirth than women in other wealthy nations. Life expectancy in the United States is the lowest among the 11 highest income countries. Infant mortality in the United States is highest among the richest nations. Throughout human history, Wilkerson asserts, three caste systems have stood out, those of India, the United States, and Nazi Germany. The Nazi regime studied racial segregation laws in the United States to build a legal system that led to the extermination of six million Jews and five million others. We could learn much from comparing the United States with Germany today. Wilkerson points out that in Germany, restitution has rightly been paid and continues to be paid to survivors of the Holocaust. In America, it was the slaveholders who got restitution, not the people whose lives and wages were stolen from them for 12 generations. In Germany, displaying the swastika is a crime, punishable by up to three years in prison. In the United States, the official state flag of Mississippi, which incorporated the rebel flag, was only discontinued on June 30th of this year. In Germany, there is no death penalty. We can't be trusted to kill people after what happened in World War II, a German woman once said. In America, the states that recorded the highest number of lynchings all currently have the death penalty. An American author living in Berlin who happens to be Jewish and to have been raised in the South often gets asked about Germany's memorials to its Nazi past, to which she replies, There aren't any. Present-day Germany officially repudiates and remembers the horrors of its racial past, while the United States often celebrates the defenders of slavery. One of the countless memorials of the murdered Jews of Europe who perished during the Holocaust is the Stumbling Stones. These are the micro-memorials of discrete brass squares the size of one's palm, inscribed with the names of Holocaust victims and placed throughout the city. More than 70,000 of these Stumbling Stones, known as Stolperstein, have been forged and installed in cities across Europe. 
They are embedded among the cobblestones in front of houses and apartment buildings, where the victims whose names are inscribed on them are known to have last lived before being abducted by the Gestapo. Here lived Hildegard Blumenthal, born 1897, deported 1943, died in Auschwitz. Read the stumbling stone clustered among others outside an apartment building in western Berlin. The stumbling stones forced the viewer to pause and squint to read the inscription, forced the viewer to regard the entry doors the people walked through, the steps they climbed with their groceries and toddlers, the streets they strolled that were the everyday life of real people. Each one is a personal headstone that gives a momentary connection to a single individual. Leaning over to read the names and the stumbling stones forces you to bow in respect. As St. Paul reminds us, since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the dead has also come through a human being. We are all connected. Just as in Adam all die, so too in Christ shall all be brought to life. Justice comes from tearing down walls meant to separate us and embracing our common humanity. The Second Vatican Council teaching on the Church in the modern world is called Gaudium et Spes. The title comes from this stunning opening sentence. The joys and hopes, the grief and anguish of the people of our time, especially of those who are poor or afflicted, are the joys and hopes the grief and anguish of the followers of Christ as well. Indeed, nothing genuinely human fails to raise an echo in their hearts, for theirs is a human community. United in Christ, they are led by the Holy Spirit in their journey to the kingdom of their Father, and they have welcomed the news of salvation which is meant for everyone. That is why this community realizes that it is truly linked with humankind and its history by the deepest of bonds.